Hey everyone, and welcome to Cocktails and Classics, where each episode we force our friend Cameron, who hasn't seen many classic films, to watch one. Before the movie, those of us who have seen it, we will write down our ratings based off nostalgia and memory. During the movie, we'll be drinking cocktails inspired by the movie, and we're going to give you the recipe so you can try it at home. Afterwards, we'll dissect the movie, we will give an update on our rating, and get Cameron's first impressions. So I'm Dylan, and joining me today are Cameron. Hey, everyone. Ben. Hey there. Carlos. How's it going? And Zach. Hey. So this week's movie is Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Uh, Cam, what do you know about the film going in? This is the... This will be the third movie that I've seen based on Stephen King's novels. The first two were It and It Part 2. Those are the only ones I've seen. Um, I've seen some of the memes associated with it, uh, with Jack Nicholson's character. But other than that, I don't actually know much about the movie other than it takes place at some hotel um, in a cold area. And honestly, that's about it. So you did also see Shawshank Redemption, which was written by Stephen King. I have. This will be the fourth movie I've seen. I didn't know that was uh, based on a book of his. That's interesting. Okay. I don't think it was based on a book. I think he just wrote the script, actually. Oh, okay. Nope. Gotcha. It's based on a, I think it's a short novel. Really? Oh. I, but it actually might be a full-length novel by Stephen King. Really? I didn't? Yeah. But you haven't seen The Green Mile either, so... I haven't. Have you... Cameron, have you seen Stand By Me? Stand By Me. No. Yes. Fuck. Also based off of... Dude. Also based off Stephen King. Yeah, that one's a short story. That goddamn Stephen King, he's so hot right he's, now. He does a bunch of shit, man. <laughs> what do you expect from the film? Um, I have no idea really what to expect. I know it's a, like, thriller, horror-type movie. Um, not in the traditional sense of, like, jump scares, but kind of, like more psychological than that. So I'd expect something kind of along those lines. I mean, more similar to, you know, It or any of those movies where um, there's a couple jump parts in those, but mostly it's just, like, creepy movie. And Ben, you also, you said you haven't seen the entire film or you've seen parts or you just know of parts? Yeah, so this is a movie that I feel like I've seen a lot of it, but not, like, sat down, watched start to finish. Um, but it's another movie that I also feel like I know a lot about, so I, I feel like I could carry a conversation as if I have seen it, um, but I'm excited to actually sit down and watch it from start to finish and figure out, uh, bridge some of the gaps of, of the parts that I've seen. You boys are in for a treat. I love this movie. It's kind of the fun part is you haven't seen it, Cam hasn't seen it, and we get to share this with you, um... And I feel like the more people that haven't seen it in the group, it, it gets more fun for the person who has seen it and, like, knows what to expect. They know what's coming. And it's like, I love this thing. I get to give this to you, and hopefully you love it too. I'm not going to lie. It's it's kind of interesting being on the other side of the have or have not seen <laughs> it uh, table. Welcome um, to the club. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how this is going to go. So I'm looking forward to it. To kick this thing off and get everybody in the right mood, I'm going to pass it over to Carlos, our makeshift bartender, for this week's inspired cocktail. This week, we are making the red rum cocktail in honor of The Shining. All right, so without further ado, we're going to go ahead and we're going to whip this drink up. You are going to need two ounces of dark rum. Remember, dark rum is different than spiced rum, but if you have that bottle of Captain Morgan sitting on your shelf, it'll work just fine for this recipe. You're also going to need half an ounce of Jack Daniels honey or honey whiskey. You're going to have some muddled cherries, orange zest, and cinnamon zest. This recipe comes to us from Secret of the Booze, so go ahead and check the show notes down below if you enjoy this cocktail. For me, I do enjoy dark liquor, um, so this cocktail is is probably uh, pretty tasty uh, in, in my opinion. Um, however, it is a little heavy just because of the amount of alcohol that's in it, but you know, of course, that, that goes without saying that you can enjoy the movie with this cocktail, even though it might be a little strong. The red rum is, it's tasty, it's good. Uh, it is a, a little heavy on the alcohol. Um, if you're a bit of a lightweight like me and you want to uh, lessen, lessen the burn, uh, I went ahead and topped it off with a, a little bit of club soda in the glass, and it helped a lot. It made it a lot more palatable for me and just a lot easier of a drink to where I could probably get through more than just one of them. 
If you make one, send us a picture on Instagram at Cocktails and Classics Pod and use hashtag Cocktails and Classics. Or if Twitter is your thing, tweet us at Cocktails Class. We'd love to see what you make and hear your thoughts on how they turn out. So if you haven't seen The Shining, sit back, sip on this week's cocktail, the red rum, and enjoy the show. There will be spoilers from here on out, folks, so just again, a heads up. Otherwise, continue on for our post-movie discussion and games. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. This week, we watched The Shining, a 1980s movie starring Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall, Scatman Crothers in there, and Danny Lloyd as Danny. Fitting name. Jack was also um, Jack. <laughs> yeah, it turns out nobody was great at acting, so they just <laughs> yes. tried to find actors with the names of the characters. Shelley was the only one that could... Uh, Remember a different name? She could hold her own. That was it. (laughs) Just her. (laughs) Well, The Shining is the perfect movie to watch during your social isolation because it is about isolation. Uh, Family takes over caretaking uh, the Overlook Hotel during the winter months. And uh, during that time, uh, there's a little stir-crazy, a little cabin fever, and uh, shit happens. Um. And what makes it a classic is it is just highly regarded across the board uh, as an amazing movie. Um, and I think upon release, it was not received as well, was it? Correct me if I'm wrong, Zach. No, um, it's definitely viewed um, better today. But part of that was the ending swap out. Um, the The ending that everybody knows now where, where Jack is frozen in the ice and they kind of zoom in on the picture was not the original ending. Um, the original ending that was shown in theaters was much different and, and not as good. Cam and Ben, do you have initial reactions to what you just watched? I, I know you guys were kind of lost a little bit. Can you guys uh, emphasize some of that for me? There was a lot that I feel like I saw that I didn't quite pick on the significance of it. Um, there were a fair amount of scenes that, or just overarching themes that I had like questions about, like how i don't know the ending was interesting how he was like the caretaker the whole time but then like i don't know it just there's a lot of questions i have going coming out of it that i uh, i didn't even realize were going to be questions honestly like it seemed it was way more like trippy and like more i want to say supernatural than i was expecting the movie to be for sure i would definitely say i've walked out of this with more questions than answers um i'm overall just kind of confused i feel like this is a movie you might have to watch more than once to kind of get an understanding of of what's actually going on because it seems like there's so many it seems like there's different ways you can interpret different things as to being what's real what's not real what is you know what's made up in in Jack's mind versus what's made up in maybe Danny or Wendy's mind and it's just kind of a total mind fuck as to, as to what is going on throughout this entire movie and I'm not gonna lie the ending was just kind of I, I was I was hoping for more of maybe a little nice bow and ribbon to tie everything together so I could leave and be like, okay, I kind of understand what's going on now. Instead, the movie just ended. Uh, we started recording, and I'm still sitting here with a look on my face of what the fuck did I just watch? Yeah, you hit the you hit the nail on the head. This is definitely a movie you have to watch more than once. Um, the The thing with a lot of Kubrick movies is he's so detailed. Everything is done on purpose. Even like photos in the background, characters that never have a line. Um, everything is super important and there's no way you catch it on the first or even second watch. I was mad that that dude came in. He was like, oh, he's going to come back and help them. And then immediately gets murked. It was, <laughs> I was After- not expecting that at all. He like flew. Okay. So he got the message from the kid. Um, and then he was like, you know what? I'm going to fly there and help him. He flies there, takes the, uh, snow. What do they call it? What do they call it? Snow cat. Kid? The snow cat up there, walks around, and immediately gets stabbed in the chest and dies. What the hell, man? He deserved way better than that. Not immediately. He does shout, hello, anybody there, about five (laughs) or six times before he takes the axe to the chest. That's his catchphrase. (laughs) 
He did help, though. He kind of provided a distraction for Danny to get out of the kitchen. I mean, he definitely served a purpose. Uh, like He also brought them the snow cat. That's true. Oh, I mean, he definitely served a purpose, but it just ha- it just sucked that he died in his purpose, and he didn't even, like... Like, his death wasn't in vain, but he didn't do anything. He just, like, literally existed, and that was the point of his, like... That was the reason for his existence. Well, I think the reason for his existence... I say, I think the reason for his existence was to teach Danny. Yeah, and Kubrick, I'm sure, didn't know at the time. I doubt Stephen King knew, but... um. If you guys didn't know, there is a sequel to The Shining called Dr. Sleep. I did know that, um, yeah. The book, is, the book is really good. The movie just came out last year with Ewan McGregor, plays an adult, Danny Torrance, but, uh, Dick Halloran plays a pretty large role in that movie, too. And that actually ties, that movie ties The Shining movie and The Shining book into one, actually. So it, like, it accepts both exist, basically, because Stephen King really? hates, hates the movie. <laughs> So, oh, so really? it, like, yes, he he believes that Kubrick really butchered his work. Um, wow. He's he hates Jack Nicholson's performance in the film. He says that Jack Nicholson is way too over the top, and from like the first second he smiles, he says that you can tell that he's a madman. And in the book, it's like a slow descent. I'm not gonna sit and say that I I didn't like the movie, but I'm also not gonna say, and not that Stephen King's necessarily right that. Jack Nicholson, you know, look, obviously the minute you see Jack Nicholson crack that smile that I think definitely is what I, in my mind, because of my comic book geek background, is that Joker smile where the, you know, the eyebrows it was point that damn and he has smile. that sadistic grin That's on his face. It all. I mean, even in the, <laughs> oh my God, even in no, the first, don't. even in the first few minutes of the movie kind of gives away what's going to you know, it leads you to believe what's going to happen, but I, it's kind of a weird, and this is another thing that immediately jumped out to me during the movie, is that Nicholson's, you know, he starts off at like an 8 or 9, so to get to a 10 or 11 is where he has to go. Everyone else seems kind of low, and so even through their kind of build, still doesn't, I guess, match his energy. It just seems like he's kind of overacting and, and also they're underacting. So there's really no good balance throughout. Cameron and Ben, are there any memes or pop culture references that you guys have uh, learned the origin of after seeing The Shining? Yeah, there were a couple. Um, there's a lot of pop culture references you see in this movie. The Red Rum, of course, which is our drink that we chose uh, for today. Uh, in addition to that, there's the Here's Johnny scene, uh, the ending where he was frozen. I've seen that image before in some like memes and pop culture references. I was actually surprised. I thought in the beginning when they showed the freezer, I thought that was going to allude to that part, but it ended up him just being frozen outside. So, yeah. I don't know that there were any that I, I learned the origin of, uh, but there were definitely ones that kind of got more light shed on them i guess uh i mean this this movie's referenced in so much pop culture everything from the maze um to the obviously the here's johnny bit is i mean even now it's still being used uh brian cranston is in a mountain dew commercial where he does the whole break down the door and enhance the woman of mountain dew um speaking of the door i noticed that they whatever door that they first you see him take the first swing on is uh definitely not the door that they started with because red rum disappears (laughs) as soon as he takes that first swing uh or actually before as soon as he bursts in you you see the the lipstick on the door disappear so i just you just caught a kubrick gaff i did continuity you better email him watch out stan when he emails us back and tells us how to correctly pronounce his name, you shoot him back. Say, learn how to spell red rum on a door. You dingus. Uh, were there any things that like surprised you about the film or did not surprise you? So much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, like I said earlier, I thought I didn't realize this was going to be as supernatural as it was. I guess I should have known um, being a Stephen King novel and all that. Um, yeah, there were just a couple scenes that threw me off guard 
the supernatural bit of it and the ending of him being the caretaker the whole time. Um, I don't know what it was, but I thought she did a good job. But Wendy's like character, especially towards the end, actually kind of annoyed me because she would like run around with this knife and like flail around her with her arms. And that seems just so stereotypical woman like walking that I feel like someone on set was like, no, you're not running right. Can you run like you have no idea and you've never run in your entire life? <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, that there were some surprising, a lot of surprising parts. I was on edge most of the movie. Like, yeah, I had no idea what was going to come next. Well, Shelley Duvall actually was like traumatized from this film. Really? She, yeah, she went through a lot. Yeah, like Kubrick, he runs like a torturous set. He would do over uh, like 127 takes of the scene uh, on the staircase. They had to do like 127 takes of that. And like Kubrick would just like berate her for no reason. Like I watched uh, this documentary, The Making of the Shining. Um, I'll leave a link down in the show notes below. Uh, it's only like 30 minutes. Is that prevalent across all of his actors? Is that like a common theme? Or is it just for no, this movie? Apparently, apparently him and Jack Nicholson had a good working relationship. Um, Scatman Crothers, on the other hand, had scenes where he had to do hundreds of takes and then the next movie he did was with Clint Eastwood uh, Bronco Billy and Clint Eastwood is famous for doing one take and rumor has it that like the first scene Scatman Crothers does in Bronco Billy they're like cut we're moving on and he's like wait what you you don't want me to go again and, and he like broke down and cried because he was so happy he didn't have to do another take <laughs> Well, it's interesting because, again, not that I agree with this, like, methodology. Like, this is horrifying, but uh, Stanley Kubrick treating her like that is actually very similar to how her husband treats her. Like, basically treats her like shit, berates her for doing nothing wrong, expects way more than needed. Like, that actually mirrors it exactly. So I wonder if him doing that put her in the mindset of the character more again, terrible methodology would not recommend zero out of 10, but that's an interesting observation like that you're saying that you uh, pointed out. Is there a most memorable or like a best scene in the film for you guys? I think the best scene is the stairway scene. I don't know. I think that's the best one. Cause that's kind of like the turning point of the film, like and leading up to it where she like, goes through all the things that he's been typing out and it's just the same sentence over and over and over again in different even forms. Like he's formatting it in like a way you'd write like a manuscript or like a, or like a book. And it's just literally the same sentence over and over. For me, um, I, I love the scenes in the bar. I love the, uh, I guess the second time he goes and sits down and the guy tells him his drinks are comped and he's kind of so confused, which I think the reason I like that, kind of seen so much where he starts there and he talks to Grady and you know that whole kind of scene which was really confusing as I'm watching it but kind of gets I don't I don't want to say wrapped up because it's still kind of confusing but when you see the picture at the end of him at the bar it makes sense why you know he keeps imagining himself sitting surrounded by people dressed in 1920s type attire that he's sitting at the bar next to. Um, so I think that kind of scene, I guess, kind of shed some light. And it, it also kind of highlights his, you know, the first time he sits at the bar and he's imagining it, you kind of understand he's coming up on f five. I think he said he hasn't touched alcohol in like five months. So, you know, he's isolated, he's alone, he feels alone, um, which he doesn't really need to. He has his wife and kids there, but he kind of completely shuts them out of his life. And it seems like the only time he deals with them is stressful towards him. So the first time he kind of goes, you kind of envision like, okay, you know, he's envisioning himself having a drink. He's having this imaginary conversation. Uh, everyone does. Let's be honest. You're driving in a long car ride and you start having that conversation with yourself, trying to narrate your own life. Um, and then the second time he goes, he kind of, dips more and more where he's having conversations with multiple people on topics of, you know, he's, he's coherent of remembering what Grady did, but you know, he can't put together that why he's even able to talk to Grady at all in the first place. I think that's a really kind of 
scene that kind of ties together him completely losing his mind. Is there a most quotable line from the film for you guys? <laughs> Hello? Anybody there? <laughs> <laughs> not, not a most repeated, not, not the most repeated line. Uh, holy shit moment for you guys? Was there one? For me, the first time I saw this movie, my, my holy shit moment was uh, Jack sitting at the bar. He walks into the gold room. It's completely empty, sits down, and we get this kind of side view of him. And you can see he's frustrated, he's irritated, he's going delusional. And then you get a close-up of he's got his, his face in his hands, stressed out, and then pulls his hands apart. And it's a complete 180, a complete mood shift. And now he's talking to Lloyd, who's a bartender at this fully stocked bar. And they go on and have their conversation. Kind of that appearance of Lloyd mixed with the complete attitude switch that Jack Nicholson did um, was a shocking moment it's for me. It's almost a fourth wall break, it seems like, when, when it happens. Because he's like he, he comes out of his hands and looks directly at the camera, like right down lens, it feels like. And you're like, it, is he talking to me <laughs> am i lloyd <laughs> yeah who is lloyd is he yeah you think he's talking to himself there maybe he's talking to you for a minute and it's not until he turn around and there's just this guy just proper dressed up as a 1920s butler just sitting there behind the bar i also think one of the other kind of scenes for me that was a like a holy shit moment was the first time that wendy goes to like talk to him while he's writing and he just spazzes out on her. Like, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you hear them talk about the fact that, you know, he was mad at Danny. He grabbed him. He says it was an accident. He, he was a bit too rough, this and that. You know, but otherwise, he's been really great, really kind. You know, he's, he's all about trying to get this stuff for his family. You know, he kind of, ice, he does isolate himself quite a bit in terms of uh, COVID-19. He's, he social distances like a champ. Um, but the first time she kind of goes and wants to kind of talk to him and check in with him and he just starts just berating her, screaming at her, telling her to just get the fuck out, stay the fuck out. You're kind of like, goes full oh, Stanley Kubrick on her. <laughs> it's it's kind of the first it's, I mean, it's really the first time you look and you go, maybe this guy is, is a, a scumbag. Like, is he the baddie? You know, <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's just kind of one of those things where, you know, you get that reference that he's not as good as, as everyone talks him up to be, and that it's very plausible that Wendy has kind of talked herself into this notion that he's not as bad as he is. Yeah, and right after that, he doesn't, uh, right after that, he just, like, lies to his wife. She's like, oh, did you see anything? Nope. No, I didn't. Definitely didn't make out with a rotting corpse. I didn't try to cheat on you with this naked, rotting lady. Like, no, no, no. It's all good. It's all good. Our son is clearly delusional. (laughs) Throw him in the infirmary. It's all on him. What do you want to do with (laughs) Danny? You know, I know what you. I know you know what you want to do. You want to get our son help? You twisted fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to murder all of you. A little bit of a tradition around here is Zach takes over and gives us a little quiz. So, Zachary, take it away. Addition two of this new quiz format uh, last week for Indiana Jones, Cam came away with a win. So uh, we're going to jump right into it. I've got three quick questions for you. We're going to start with a multiple choice. So the first one, uh, Stanley Kubrick, as we've talked about, was known for his excessive number of takes for each scene. He wanted to do things over and over and over again, even past the point of perfection. He wanted so much material on each scene. Uh, so he had the crew set up uh, the bloody elevator scene three times. Question is, how long did it take to set up the elevator scene? A, one day. B, four days. C, nine days. A little bit more detail there. To set up for like one take or so, like to completely shoot out all three takes? Uh, for each take. So they wanted to do, he wanted to do the, the scene multiple times. The crew bartered. They ended up doing it three times. How long did it take to set up each each take? What was B? 
Is it four? One day, uh, B, four days, C, nine days. I'm going to go with four. I think that's a nice mean, and I could not imagine cleaning up all of that shit out of the couches and off the walls and stuff, so I'm going to go with four. I'm going to go with nine, answer C, final answer. I feel like that's a trap answer to get us to try and go into the middle, so I'm going to say nine days. (laughs) My answer was B, four days. Uh, I think it would have taken more than a day just to clean everything just off the floors, clean the floors, get everything cleared out. Um, I don't know if they would have cleaned the furniture or just literally built new prop furniture, but I'm thinking a third day, uh, shit, I don't know, just trying to, knowing with, with how detail-oriented Kubrick was, um, Day three was spent just getting everything set up, and day four was spent uh, getting the blood and that ready to go for shoot. Four days. Wait, were these union guys? Because if it was a union gig, then it might have taken a while. Yeah, I might go nine days on the union. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've got good news and bad news uh, for Dylan and Ben. Um, the bad news comes. You guys were incorrect. Cameron got it at nine days. It took nine days to set up each take, and they did it three times for that scene. Jeez. Utterly crazy. So heading into question two, uh, true or false? Uh, so the famous here is Johnny Lyon almost didn't make the movie. Uh, Kubrick actually had no idea that the line was actually Johnny Carson's intro into his show, Late Night with Johnny Carson. Um, and after filming it and getting all the shoots ready, uh, he discovered that that was the intro for Johnny Carson, and he wanted the the line cut. Ultimately, deciding to leave it in. Let's say false. Uh, Johnny Carson's like the biggest shit. Then boomers loved Johnny Carson. <laughs> uh, still do. Very fond of old old John. Uh, yeah, I must say false. I think because I know it was improved. So it just came out of nowhere. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna I don't know, false. Zach's going to trick me, though. I'm also going to say false. I think, like you said, there's no way that he didn't know when it was said, when they said it. And they probably did that. You said they do earlier. We talked about how they did that scene numerous times. There's no way. I know this scene. I've heard a lot that this scene was improved by Nicholson on set. Um, And it honestly... Knowing the fact that Kubrick was kind of a perfectionist, it wouldn't have surprised me if he were going through the takes and and heard the improv line and didn't really like it that much, but then you know maybe discovered what it was or found out the meaning from it and went for it. So I, I think I'm going to go with true on that. All right, this one is kind of confusing. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the here's Johnny line you guys got, it was improv Sort of. It was also Johnny Carson's famous introduction line, and Stanley Kubrick did not know. He um, lived most of his life in London up until that point and wasn't really familiar with the Johnny Carson show. He knew what it was, but he didn't didn't really watch it, I guess. Um, so after discovering, he was like, yeah, uh, that sounds like you ripped it straight from Ed McMahon, and I want to cut that, but um, ultimately decided not to. So, so is it true? true? So... Is the real answer true? Well, I'm not going to tell you. Yeah, okay. it, it is true. All right, right, so the third and final question. We just watched the movie, and we talked about how there are similarities and differences between the movie and the book. So I'm going to hit you guys with a curveball. We're going to talk about the book. Um, The question is, how does the book end? Luckily, it's multiple choice. So A, Jack catches Danny in the hotel and murders his family. Uh, B, uh, caught up in his insanity, Jack forgets to tend to the boiler room, causing the boiler room to explode, killing Jack. Or C, Danny escapes his father in the hotel and slides down the snow to escape with Halloran and the bulldozer down the mountain. No mention of his wife in any of those three? Nope. I'm checking with the experts. And no, nothing about Wendy in these three <laughs> possible answers. Okay. Okay, um, I'm going to go with the totally wild answer and say that the boiler room explodes. Just because uh, I know that one of the like memes out there is that uh, Stephen King is awful at writing endings to books, and that is a truly ter- terrible ending. So I'm going to say that the boiler room explodes and kills him. 
Oh no. We're going to get angry letters from the Kubrick estate and Stephen King. <laughs> he knows about it. He he joked about it in the most recent It movie. He knows. It's all good. It's all in good fun. He's made his millions. I'm sure he's crying and wiping his tears with his like hundreds of dollars, like hundreds of thousands of dollars and millions of dollars, you know. If you wanted to, Stephen, you could uh, tweet at us at Cocktails Class <laughs> on Twitter, and and we will gladly air your complaints on the air. We'll read them out loud <laughs> on on our on our totally non-edited <laughs> podcast. Anyone else? What do you guys think? Um. Yeah. I. I also think it's the boiler room just because I feel like it's again, another trope that I've seen used in a bunch of different movies or TV shows that that's kind of like the, how do we, how do we kind of back ourselves out of this one? Oh, the boiler room explodes. Uh, and I think it also makes sense for the fact that in the movie, Jack talks so much about him you know, all the, all of his responsibilities and all the things he has to do and he has to take care of, um, that he never really does. I actually know the answer to this one. I'm so thankful you went last. That's, that's why I went last. It's B, the fucking boiler explodes and catches the place on fire. And not to spoil too much for Dr. Sleep, those that haven't read it, um, or seen the movie, but, uh, that is one of the big discrepancies between, the Shining the book and Dr. Sleep the book is the uh, uh, Overlook Hotel is still standing at the beginning of Dr. Sleep. Fun fact. How do they okay, so. That? Uh, just uh, they threw Ewan McGregor in it. They're like, oh, he's in. Don't bother. Don't bother asking about it. What? All right, so to recap the score, we have a another tie. Everybody has two points. Ben, Cam, and Dylan, you get to set this one out with one point. Thank God. <laughs> All right, so the tiebreaker question. We're going to do this similar to last week. First person to answer. If you're correct, you get it. Um, so I'm going to hit you with a true or false. So here we go. True or false. The creepy twins are not in Stephen King's book. False. True. I don't know why we have a podcast dedicated to somebody who doesn't watch these movies because he wins again. Week two. Cam yes. got it correct. Yes. Stanley Kubrick <laughs> made up the twins. I feel like I vaguely remember that fact, actually. Like, I feel like that wasn't, like, just bullshit. Like, that somehow rings a bell. Creepy twins. Well, uh, <laughs> thanks, everybody, for playing along. This was a, a ton of fun. I'm looking forward to next week. See you guys then. The Shining is a famous film about cabin fever and isolation. And we're in self-isolation. So let's play a little kill or quarantine. We will go through different actors and characters in the film and you have to answer would you kill or quarantine with that person first off we're gonna go with danny the kid and i'll include it as a package bill with tony do you kill or quarantine <laughs> i like that you specified including his well kind of imaginary best friend but also like inner demon i don't know i'm quarantining with danny we're hanging out um he's got the shining he's basically just going to like Power might go out, but we're still going to have TV because Danny's going to just shine straight to like CBS or NBC, whatever was on back then, and just rattle off all the, the incoming TV to me. We're going to stay entertained. We're going to have a great time. I think I'm going to also pick quarantine just because you get kind of a two for one there because if Danny's kind of pissing you off, you just tell him to go away and then his little friend Toonie comes out, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm going to say this is a tough one, but... I might say kill on this one. Danny kind of scares me. Uh, one, the whole split personality thing. Um, I don't know. You, you never know what's going on. The Shining seems like a, a bit of a crazy power. If you do something to piss him off, he's just going to you know, gonna mess with you with that whole Shining power. And I don't know how much the whole you know psychopathy runs in the, runs in the genes. And if he's anything like his dad... I'm going to take him out before he comes at me busting through doors with a fireman's axe. Could you imagine you're you're locked up with this person and you're like complaining about do it, doing the chores or something. You're like, hey, Danny, can can you really pick up after yourself? Danny isn't here. Like, okay, I, Tony, <laughs> I, I know Danny's here. You're the same person. Like, That's a good point. Just 
pick up your goddamn. She would just job. like abdicate all pick up responsibilities your of having to do anything. Danny, Danny, <laughs> why is the fire truck out again? Why did you leave the fire engine sitting in the middle? I I didn't do it. It must have been me, Tony. Danny, come on, it's getting old. We know Tony's not real. <laughs> Second, uh, Dick Halloran, but you're quarantining at his place with the naked Afro chicks. Dude, his place is lit. I'm quarantining with Dick Halloran. There, I don't. There's no explanation needed for me there. I that yeah. Final answer. We're just chilling. You could explain it. Well, we're just chilling in Miami. You know, they said they were having nice heat, especially compared to the Colorado snow. That sounds really nice. Was that it about his apartment that you enjoyed? Was the warmth and the location? That was it. I didn't notice anything significant about Not the his bar. Apartment. Not the pictures above his TV and his headboard. Wait, there was a bar? Yeah. I didn't even notice the... I really didn't notice the bar. Oh, then yeah, we're for sure quarantining at his place, dog. I, I would pick quarantine. I think uh, Halloran combines the good parts of The Shining, but doesn't have the weird split personality disorder where I think he might try to murder me. Like, he seems like a genuinely nice guy. Um, and also has the shining and yeah, also bachelor pad in Miami. Yeah. Let's, let's go. The one negative to him is he does die like a bitch. So I don't know if I want that rep. Dude takes an ax. Dude takes an ax to the chest. How is that dying like a bitch? <laughs> because he's like, hello, is anybody <laughs> out there? And then just dies without accomplishing anything of real value. Uh, that's not true. He brings them the snow cat. Okay. But again, as I said before, he like, if 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 you all you've accomplished is just existing in the right point in time, then I don't think you really did much. Some say you could say that statement for all of humanity. All we do is just exist at the right time. Maybe or the wrong time. <laughs> Jack Torrance, kill or quarantine? Is this a question? I feel yeah. like we're definitely killing Jack Torrance. I don't know. You don't? I could see myself hanging out with Jack. He's he's clearly, he has some sort of drinking problem, but I'm sure he could throw a few back if you needed to. And the mood swings would be a, a bit much, but I'm sure it'd keep me entertained. Although I will say, I most of the problem in his movie was, was with his wife, who he did choose to marry at some point in time, I would imagine. But uh, I, I'm just saying a lot of what he went, through was triggered by him being really annoyed by his wife and so if his wife's not there maybe he's chill however here's the other thing to say is that Zach said his mood swings would be fun but come on i'd imagine like he'd finally get done writing his novel and he'd be like here read this and you all you read is all work and no play makes jack a dull boy for like 600 pages <laughs> no nope kill him i don't want to deal with it i don't want to hear you talk about your novel Head to Starbucks if you want people to read it. I'm done. And to round up our killing quarantine, uh, the woman in the bath. You got to give both sides of the coin, though. Killer quarantine. <laughs> That's who we're going with as the last person? Uh, kill. for. I mean, they're already dead. So kill more? Is that an option? Double kill? Ben. Woman in the bath. Killer quarantine. Um, yeah. I'm going to have to go kill on this one. Uh, one, my wife listens to this podcast. <laughs> Love you, honey. Ooh, and uh, <laughs> Mine does too. Don't give a fuck. Oh, my God. If she's and, competing with the woman two, in the bathtub, oh, no. And two, that woman, oh, man, once she gets all gross and slimy in that, nah. Could you imagine the smell? You have to put up with that smell in quarantine. Nah. Yeah, she looked yeah. smelly, didn't she? Yeah. She was all legiony and moldy. She looked moldy. She doesn't have a name. Can yeah. we call her Kate Bush? Did it. There you go. <laughs> Kate Bush. <laughs> oh, my God. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, I guess. And now that's it for quarantine. Oh <laughs> 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 Make sure we get that credit on IMDb. I don't want to see Kate Bush popping up there oh, under the cast God. list. Leave it on that shitty pun. Thanks for uh, thanks for playing some killer quarantine. Hope your uh, isolation goes better than ours. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. How it works is every month members get one credit to pick any title, plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection. Audible has a free, easy-to-use app that allows you to download titles and listen offline at your convenience. Dylan and Ben, what are your experiences with Audible? 
so I used the Audible free trial a couple years ago, um, and I've gone back to it since. Uh, I listened to Pet Cemetery by Stephen King, and I really like it when I'm driving on like long road trips. I used it to listen to one of James Elroy's uh, L.A. quartet novels, The Big Nowhere. I would definitely recommend it to anyone on the go, uh, whether it's just driving to work or for long flights. It's great. You can you know, listen to something on your phone, connect it to Bluetooth. You get to work, log into your work computer, and listen up. To start your free 30-day trial, go to audibletrial.com slash cocktailsandclassics, all lowercase. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash cocktails, A-N-D, classics. After your free trial is up, it'll cost $14.95 per month. However, there are no commitments, and if you can't decide what to listen to at that particular month, that's okay. You can always roll your credits over for up to a year. Is there uh, anyone else that you could see being recasted in the film? Today? Yesterday? At any point in time, if you could see a different actor in a role, who would you like to see or who could you see playing them? All right, I got one. It's kind of a meme. Uh, I think Ben earlier mentioned Jack Nicholson's smile and like eyebrows raised, so I'm actually going to go with uh, Jim Carrey as uh, Jack. I was going to say that. that. I was going to say that, too. Oh, Just the, like, the, the over-the-top mannerisms. That's, yes, exactly. He could probably pull off the crazy guy, though. I think he could. I think he could. It might be a little tonally. It might be out of his depth, maybe. I don't know if he's really played... You don't I, think so? No, he did think, number 23. he's done some serious... He's done number 23. Yeah, he's done some serious stuff. That's uh, true. Eternal That's Sunshine true. and the Spotless Mind is pretty serious. That's... Oh, yeah. That was a good one. Okay. So, yeah. I stand by my answer. I think he I think he could have done it. Yeah, I it. believe Jim Carrey is a, is a good one. Uh, I was going to say that, too. All right. I have an actor that I want to drop into the same exact movie to completely switch the tone of one of these characters. Dick Holleran needs to be replaced by Samuel L. Jackson. I was also going to say that one. <laughs> Really? Completely switch from from the happy Dick Holleran going around helping Danny's like, what do you want? What are you doing? Get in the snowcat. Come on, we're going. You motherfucker, you want some He's ice cream? Out. <laughs> <laughs> I actually also had a replacement for Dick uh Holleran, except it's definitely not a top tier actor. It's uh the guy from He's in a couple different like small roles, but uh he plays Mr. Mosby in the Sweet oh, Life yeah. of Zack and oh, Cody. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think it would be so funny to see his crazy ass play it. I also had a, a recast for uh, Dick Halloran, and mine is a little bit more on the serious side. Um, I think Danny Glover would have been really interesting. Uh, Murtaugh from Lethal Weapon, and he's been in yeah. a bunch of other movies. Um I think he could really kind of bring a little bit more of a of a seriousness and a I don't want to say a groundedness, but I kind of do something that brings a little bit more realism, I guess, to the character and and I think someone who could have brought more warmth to the connection with Danny. Yeah, and when he gets stabbed in the chest, he goes, "Oh, I'm getting too old for this shit." God damn it. <laughs> One as it just hit me. One other choice for Jack to, for today would be uh, Glenn Howerton from Oh yeah, uh, Always Sunny as like basically a dentist type character. He's already essentially been alluded to in Always Sunny as a murderer, like a, a serial murderer. Yeah, you could definitely pull off the crazy guy. Um, a couple of people that I know were originally considered for the role. Um, Robert De Niro was one of them. That'd be great. Uh, but uh, Kubrick turned down the idea of De Niro because he didn't think he could be crazy enough. He saw a taxi driver and he was like, I don't think he's the lunatic I'm looking for. So his, his next actor that he looked for was Robin Williams. He's like, all right, that's the opposite end. Robin Williams could completely uh, take this role and run with it. But um, he settled on Jack Nicholson. And I think Jack Nicholson did a great job. He plays the perfect crazy Oh, guy. yeah. He knocks it out of the park. I'm trying to picture what De Niro in that movie would have looked like. And I... Not that I don't think he could have played crazy. I just don't know that his portrayal of crazy would have fit what the movie needed it to be. In the case of Robin Williams, my concern would be that we've seen some of his work where he's played more serious characters and less of the, ho-ho, hee-hee, 
goofy comedy trope character. Um, that was a great genie impression. I, Wasn't he a genie? Yeah, that was really good. <laughs> uh, I was thinking go bow hunting, but yeah. But, you know, I definitely do think his his portrayal of crazy might have come across a little bit too too funny and not enough of kind of a terrifying crazy that Jack Nicholson really just definitely brought to the role of Jack. So as we mentioned earlier, uh, before the movie, those of us who have seen it, we wrote down our ratings, and now it's time to give you a little update. Uh, so, Zach, what was your rating? Uh, so before watching the movie, and this is a movie I've seen a lot, uh, I gave it a 10. This is a, a 10 out of 10 for me. And after watching it again, unless I really, really nitpick some things, I, I can't move it down. It's got to be a, a 10 out of 10 for me. Um, the acting is so well done. Um, the details in the movie are are so well done. Everything from portraits hanging up in the background to things characters say and how they say them. Um, I can't think of what would make this movie better. Um, it's so rewatchable. If you're talking about horror movies, it's it's got to be the greatest one ever, and it's got to be one of the best movies ever. I also rated it very highly. Uh, going in, I gave it a 9 out of 10, and I'm going to stay there. It's fantastic it is just a slow burn which i love uh kubrick has his fingers over every little bit every detail every shot he has calculated it and nicholson just is like it's it seems a little over the top maybe but oh my god is it a performance for the ages it it he is jack torrance in my opinion having not seen this movie um and you know i like i said i've seen kind of parts of it i've seen bits of it and and i've seen so many kind of references and and parodies of it um to see the full thing i would probably give it probably a nine out of ten uh it it is the story is really engaging it has a lot of and i've only seen it once and i already know it has a lot of rewatchability there's things that you kind of maybe get a glimpse of that probably tell a bigger story that you would need to go back and watch it. I think overall the acting's really good. Scatman does a great job as the the chef Holleran. He plays it very well. Uh, Danny does a really good job, which is surprising, especially a lot of times when you see kids and child actors, sometimes their performance doesn't really live up to what the adults are doing but i think in this case danny holds up as well as any of the other lead characters in the cast jack nicholson is phenomenal and it's it's obvious through this movie why he's such a highly regarded actor shelly duvall's performance in the beginning kind of had me on the on the fence um as the movie went and even she kind of her character i guess kind of went on the descent into what all's going on her performance definitely kind of grew and peaked and yeah there, like i said there's just a lot it's a lot to process um the only knock on it for me is the fact that i like my movies to typically i don't need it everything to be laid out on a plate for me but i like some sort of wrap up or some sort of explanation and this movie leaves so much for you to just interpret how you will and god i hate when movies do that i gave it a 5 out of 10 just kidding i, saw, I wanted to see the look on zach's face when i said that <laughs> i mean i can see that for the for the first time watching like if if you're not super attentive and you miss a couple scenes like, like cam was I was attentive. What the fuck are you talking about? What the fuck are you talking about? I watched the entire damn thing closely. I was watching it attentively. Okay, I wasn't on my phone like you were, Dylan. Okay. I mean, I've seen the movie. I was watching. I've seen it as a kid. I've seen it. Dylan was texting me. (laughs) What? (laughs) True story. Zach and I were texting the whole movie. Why were you texting? (laughs) You know, things, reasons, shorts, pictures. You know. So, Cam, what was your rating? <laughs> uh, now I don't want to say. Five out of seven? All right. Thanks for this episode. Uh- <laughs>
No, for real, I gave it a 9 out of 10. I hate to agree with everybody just because I feel like that's kind of lame, but that was the rating I gave it going out of it. It was a great movie. If I were to watch it again, I might actually rate it higher. So I don't even like horror movies at all. Like, I actually don't watch them at all. Um, but this one was great. So, yeah. Yeah, this is really fun having two two reviews, um, having never seen the movie before. Now, of course, we've got an entire list of just pure classics that we're going through. So seeing these come out rated so high isn't super shocking, but to see two nines come out of Fresh Watchers is really exciting. And it makes me really hopeful for if you guys watch this two, three, four more times, if we can get you guys into the 10 bracket. Yeah, as somebody who loves the movie, it's it's very reassuring to me that they also enjoyed it on their first viewings. I wholeheartedly thought that Cam and Ben were going to not like it that much. To be honest. Yeah, when Cam Cam said his five, and I was like, okay, I can understand why you would give it a five. <laughs> I guess I never I, would. I don't. No, it's just but... one of those. It's just one of those that like it's it feels timeless. Like you could watch it when it came out. You can watch it now. You can watch it in the future, and that's what makes it a classic. Like you can watch it at any point in time, and I think it stands on its own. Yeah. So that's it for this episode. Thanks everyone for listening and don't forget to rate and subscribe. Check us out on Instagram at cocktails and classics pod, or if you're into Twitter, reach us at cocktails class Post in and tag us in your drink photos or your movie recommendations and use the hashtag cocktails and classics like Sydney sunshine. She said this week's cocktail was her favorite on our Indiana Jones episode with the red Raider on Apple Nato's Potatoes 7777 said we should review G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. And on our Facebook, Andrew Webster recommended that we watch The Great Escape. So we are listening. We are adding these to the list. And if you want your suggestion to be heard, don't forget to hit us up on our socials. So share us with your friends. And until next time, watch responsibly. Mm -hmm.